Welcome to episode four of Matter of Facts. I am one of your co-hosts, Alec Cranston, here with my other co-host, James Collins of Cushman and Wakefield. I am also of Cushman and Wakefield. Uh, it's a beautiful, beautiful, very hot day in Halifax, Nova Scotia. We're in the um, fan-conditioned room at BMV Media. We're pretty excited about today's episode. Uh, we have a couple special guests today to talk about uh, how the airline industry and the cruise ship industry is sort of tackling the pandemic and coming back from from the depths of be- uh, depths below, as I should say. Um, so we have some good questions for them. Uh, that should be good. We got a pretty insane uh, little story that everyone can probably relate to and has heard about. As far as our other segments, New Kids on the Block, we're taking a little bit of a twist today. And then, uh, of course, we're going to round it off with a little bit of fun. And I do like today's Reddit Roundup. I'm, I'm excited for oh, that it's, one. It's a good one. I'm excited. We, we for went that. for what is possibly... By the way, hi, everyone. I'm James. <laughs> Sorry. I'm Alec Cranston. <laughs> no, you Sorry. did. You did. You did provide a very, no. very kind introduction there. All those compliments you use. You didn't have to do that. No, but, yeah. But you're looking them. good today. Sorry. I appreciate them. Mm-hmm. Uh, Alex said it is a beautifully warm day. The downtown is buzzing. The studio here overlooks um, the main part of the boardwalk and it is looking good, don't you think? I think so too. It's 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 bustling. It's busy. There's lots happening. I mean, even when I walked here, I took the long way from our office just to kind of see all the restaurants and see all the people. And it was, you know, everywhere you look, you see someone you know and stuff like that. And it's, it's nice today. It's, it's a bit... I don't know, too hot. I'm walking around in jeans and a sport coat, but... Uh, well, that was your choice. I mean, I, you could have gone in shorts and t-shirt like, you know, a sensible person. I know, you went in shorts and t-shirt, I know, but... I have you look tasteful, though. There's the difference, is, is, is you look professional. And um, while we're here, how was tasteful your... Tasteful sweaty. Tasteful, that's just how I like it. Mm. Um, how was your July? We've, we've both done some travel. I understand you... I went east, you went south. You I were did. In, in Vermont. Tell in, us all about it. I was it. in Vermont for a hockey tournament slash camp. We took a chartered bus down. Um, there was about five teams on the bus. Some guys flew, some guys drove, and a few coaches, and we bust down. Uh, went to a resort called J Peak Resort, which is uh, a ski resort, but during the summer it's open. has a big water park, which, uh, which is pretty cool. It sounds pretty cool. It's great for the kids. As an adult, being at the water park is a bit creepy, like walking around. There's also a bar at the top and, like, there's nowhere else to look where you sit but out at the water park. So we wouldn't spend too much time there. You just start feeling weird. But that was a cool spot. The golf, they had golf. They had disc golf, which we never did. Restaurants that were never open. Um, and lots of other, they had lots of booze to buy. It was a good time. Uh, but the hockey was great. Um, you know, we brought guys from Atlantic, Canada. So New Brunswick, uh, no one from Newfoundland, PEI and New Brunswick. Um, it was a great time. Uh, we went 0-4 in the hockey tournament, but the kids had a good time. I hope they learned a lot. Uh, I went with one of my good buddies, and we had a, we had a pretty fun time. Uh, the bus ride was a nightmare. I wouldn't do that again. Uh, we got home at 4.30 in the morning. On and the how morning. many hours are you on the road? Uh, I mean, technically, if you Google Maps it, it's 12 hours from here to Vermont, give or take. But with we stopped multiple times to pick up people and food. It's you know It ends up being a 14, 15-hour bus You couldn't bus click the button on Google Maps that allows you to factor in 55 teenagers on a bus. Because that really slows the average speed well, down. Well, the thing was, it wasn't the teenagers that slowed us down. Like The parents come on the bus too, right? And it's, you know, you, you go to stop somewhere and you say, okay, everybody, we're going five, five, 10 minutes here and then we're, we're going. Splash and dash. Yeah, five or 10 minutes and we're going, grab your Timmies and let's go. And then all of a sudden, 55 people come off and it turns into a half-hour stop, and you're all delayed, and, you know, some people are angry, some people are happy, and others are hungry. So that's, and I had to run the bus, and so that, I couldn't really enjoy it, and not that a bus ride would be enjoyable anyway, 
and we had a bus driver who was a little topsy turvy, and uh, so I couldn't sleep. I, I can't sleep on buses or planes anyway. But uh, no, I wouldn't do the bus ride again. Getting home at four thirty in the morning—that was that was tough. I'm still recovering from that whole cycle. The time change as well. Well, it was an experience. Oh, it was a great experience. Um, you know, it, I and I always find I, adjusting to the time change. And the same reason, like, went to PEI last year, and I'm still adjusting to that time change. And um, it's it's a tough. That one. thirty minutes is is <laughs> awful. I've I've never understood why they just don't get rid of that. I understand it had agricultural benefits many generations ago, but yeah. putting them thirty minutes ahead, it's unbelievable. It I can it, barely figure out Eastern. I'm time. going over the over the, the Confederation Bridge, and I am so confused. My watch is all over the place, and they got to get rid of it. Hang on, PEI is on is on our time zone. Nope. There's a time change there. There is a one yeah. second time change, or maybe you're just maybe you're just going it's back a, in it's time. It's a bit of an inside joke. I know there's no time change. Going back in time, there are some guys that will get what I just said. Um, hang okay. on, hang on. This is the Britain me. This is this this joke is lost on me. Someone needs to explain, or I'm going to be overly curious. There's actually no joke. It's just a simple prank we pulled on some players last year. Went to PEI, in saying, you know, we got back from the tournament. We were like, oh, jeez, we're just you know pretty tired here, especially with the time change coming back from PEI. And the kids, of course, were like, what are you talking about? And we stuck with it, and there was a time change. And Sorry, I thought there was a kind of joke because there's lots of jokes here, like Canada produces good rugby players, things like that. You Ooh, know, wow, that's I, yeah. that's a bit savage. I got some friends that play Canada rugby, so you're gonna tell me they they would probably push me over just by sneezing? Maybe, yeah. most likely. Um, enough about me in Vermont. Where'd you go? I went to Vermont. I went on this really long bus ride. I had to run the bus. It was awful. No, I uh, went east. I went over to the UK to, uh, just to see family. And we were there for, we were actually, it was a new record for temperature when we were there. And uh, we got into the 40s and we were in the hottest part of the country on the hottest day, which was an absolute nightmare. Green bins were melting that it got so hot. People's car tires were sticking to the roads. Uh, and in a country with no AC, it was unbearable. The only saving grace was the Airbnb we stayed in was about 200 years old. It was stone mm. and uh, was very well sheltered alongside this river. So we actually stayed pretty cool, but the rest of the country didn't sleep for two days. They're a bunch of whiners. Let's not talk about the Brits. On with the show. Um, but it's good to be back. And I'm Alec and I are uh, pleased. Let's kick off episode four of Matter of Facts with Insane as the crane. Insane is the crane. Insane is the crane. Mm. Insane is the crane. Kind of insane. Like the crane. Insane is the crane. I get that stuck in my head. A couple days before we film every episode, that's stuck in my head. Um... So this month's Insane is the Crane, and some of you may have heard of this, regarding Spring Garden Road, where it was shut down to pedestrian uh, pedestrian transit, was it, only? Pedest- transit only, pedestri- uh, cars, no cars. No cars, Between no the cars. hours of 7 a.m. and 8 p.m. 8 p.m. They gave it a go. Um, I remember the day it started, I was just walking down Spring Garden, and you had the cops trying to police it, and cars were getting through, they were coming up the side streets, they were getting angry. And I just looked, I was like, there's no way this lasts. And then lo and behold, it's now on pause. It is now, they were, they turned around, didn't they? It lasted a whole four days. Wow. The city made the announcement in November of 2021 that they were at some point going to be pushing a one-year trial project to make Spring Garden Road a transit-only experience. And they were going to do it in January and then the businesses got angry and they pushed it to this summer and then put signs up, put cops there, produced literature, made a whole fuss over it. Nobody listened. Everybody continued driving down when they shouldn't. 
and then the municipality pulled it. They have officially said, though, it is on pause. We cannot say that they have canned it, but for all intents and purposes, they can it. Yeah, I mean, I can't, I can't judge whether I saw it coming or not, but it looked like it would be a difficult thing to police, as it was. Sue Utek, who is the executive director of the Spring Garden Area Business Association, a uh, good friend of the friend of the podcast, friend of the firm, lovely lady, lovely and lady, uh, great community advocate for yeah, downtown businesses. She's incredible. I've I've volunteered with her before. She's she's a wonderful lady. Uh, she's openly voiced support for making Spring Garden Road pedestrian only, as long as deliveries can still be made to to businesses before eleven. Uh, she said, and I quote: "The signage was poor, and the execution was even poorer." End quote. Um, but she's glad the municipality realized things weren't working, and she's she's eager to see what they'll do now. And, and as am I, I'm I'm definitely on the side of side of Sue for this one. Yeah, and I think the the initial feather ruffling of the businesses was very valid. They were of course concerned about people not being able to stop and <laughs> dropping. Sorry, <laughs> just for context, everybody listening. Alec just drank a bottle of Kool Aid in the most theatrical way that he could have. Kool Aid, which is can I say Kool Aid Gatorade? Kool-Aid. Oh, we're gonna have Gatorade suing us and Kool Aid very happy that they've just sold millions of oh, bottles yeah. after being featured on Matter of Facts. I uh, know. So the yeah the the businesses weren't happy. They didn't like the fact that people couldn't be dropped off outside. There were all these issues. The, the biggest problem problem that the businesses had is a lot of them attended the scheduled public consultations that the municipality have and had for projects like this. They went through everything, but didn't... For, for, this is for the wider Spring Garden Road project that's uh, going to take a number of years. The Spring Garden... What do they call it here? Um, there is a name Imagine for it. Imagine Spring Garden Road. Imagine Spring Garden Road. Imagine <laughs> that's it. what I say. Imagine, Imagine. it. Imagine. Yeah. And uh, they felt that the, the municipality covered everything in these consultations, but never once did they mention making it transit only. So the businesses were disgruntled because they felt that the biggest part of this that affects them the most was never actually disclosed. And while I'm talking about the word disgruntled, we're going to make a typical matter of fact tangent here. Did you know that gruntled, gruntled is a word and nobody, nobody uses it these days. So if you're disgruntled, which means you were, uh, which means I'm, I'm disgruntled. I'm not, I mean, what would it, Let, let's so get gruntled the definition. Mean, if I was happy with something, I'm gruntled. You're gruntled, yeah, I'm absolutely exactly. gruntled. And, and to we be got here today. Um, we got Dylan Curry back with us this month. The god of marketing returns. He I had... am gruntled that he is here today. So gruntled, the Oxford English Dictionary um, does define gruntled as pleased, satisfied, and content. So you, we should all start using gruntled more. Well, we should have used gruntled to start the podcast. We'll, we'll, we'll it use it next time. month. But to say the businesses of, eight, of, of of Spring Garden Road were disgruntled because they felt the city didn't disclose the transit-only wow. plan. So let's put, you know, we've given some facts here and we've given the, the position of a number of people. Um, I know this guy called Alec Cranston and mm. he's, he's pretty opinionated. What do you think? Like I said, I'm on the side of Sue and I do think that... Um, I like the idea of pedestrian only. And the, the one day that they did enforce it-ish, I enjoyed my walk down Spring Garden. Enforce it shit? What do you enforce it shit? <laughs> enforce it shit. I enjoyed my walk. I came from all the way because I got my hair cut at the Highlander Spa, and I came all the way down to our offices right next to Lulu. And I enjoyed my walk. I didn't have to worry about you know the cars buzzing down and me not getting to cross when I wanted to cross. And it was kind of calming and relaxing. And you know a couple cars would squeak through. Although people were, you know... I don't even know if there's no transit or no uh, no cars allowed, if there is jaywalking or not, but there still was transit, but people were kind of walking everywhere. I liked it. I thought it was it was nice. I, I find Spring Garden gets a bit too congested when there's traffic during the day. And, you know, I have a difficult time. I mean, that's part of the reason why I never take my car to work. I live close enough to walk anyway. But one of the main reasons is getting in and out of Spring Garden is a pain in the arse. If you're by the TD there and trying to turn left, 
with all the folks crossing and people not letting oh. you out. Or it, it's tough. I've been there for a long time before. Oh, yeah, oh, you know, man. people don't stop crossing the street. The other thing as well is that police have consistently enforced jaywalking on Spring Garden Road. For, for further context for folks listening, our office is on Spring Garden, so we spend a heck of a lot of time in and out of it. And um, the police there do enforce it, and rightfully so, because data that I came across uh, about 18 months ago, I was looking, had the... So oh, Spring Garden Road holds research. the... I did some research. Um, Spring Garden Road has a crazy high number of vehicle and pedestrian impacts in all serious, you know, from being critically injured through to people just getting lightly hit by a car, although neither is ideal in my opinion. Um, So I can see why the police were enforcing jaywalking there. They were Mm. trying to tell pedestrians, you cannot just step out in Spring Garden if you're not on a crosswalk for your safety and we'll ticket you if you do. Mm -hmm. So I think pedestrianization, uh, and and I agree fully with Sue Utek, I think that's a great plan. I would like to see it put forward. Pedestrianization. Yeah, pedestrianization. Pedestrianization, I like that. Say say it really quickly. Pedestrianization. 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 Anyway, yeah. Uh, And I I don't like the way they put the tiny signs up. The police spent all that time enforcing or educating sorry the city produced leaflets and mm. public service announcements just four days later to turn around and say hey we're allowing the cars back down yeah we'll see what happens if it comes back at the blue nose right there that's the tall ship silver tall my ship friend silver. the wow the, that's embarrassing that's the that's one you bad. get drunk on and the blue nose is the one that they spent years and years of government money Ooh. trying to rebuild and paying that consultant twelve hundred dollars there's a difference between the two of them Dang, controversial. Yeah. Well, that's a big crew. Look at them. It is. Wow. And, and I don't know how many cruise ships are in today, but if we get three or four cruise ships and we can ask our guests. Speaking this, of cruise ships. Yeah, we'll yeah. be discussing cruising shortly. Yeah. We can get like 15,000 people in the city. Isn't that great? Yeah, that's incredible. Absolutely incredible. So speaking of guests, unless you have more to say about Spring Garden Road. I no, I think we've done that one to death there. Um, uh, unlike the city who didn't give it a chance. But that's insane as the crane. And Very I believe insane. we have an interview coming up. We do. Um, we have a couple people coming. Speaking of cruises, we have one of our special guests today, Sarah Rumley, uh, the executive director of the Atlantic Canada Cruise Association, and Joanne McLean, the director of air service and airport experience for the Halifax International Airport. So two different views. We're kind of going to have a simultaneous interview going on with the two of them uh, that we'll try and connect as well. Because you know, as you may you know you may know and put together, I mean, the cruise industry does rely on the airport industry, not as much vice versa, but they are connected. So it'll be interesting to hear their thoughts on the classic questions about the pandemic, but also going forward, the future. Where are we going now, and how are, how are things going right now? And where are we going? We want to hear how people come into the province. And how people get out of the province. Get out of the area! (laughs) And how we get them to come back. That's it. Let's see what they have to say. Awesome. All right. We are here with two of our very special guests today for episode four of Matter of Facts. Uh, I'll start by introducing uh, Sarah Rumley, the executive director of the Atlantic Canada Cruise Association. Sarah, thank you for coming on the podcast today. Thank you, Alec. Um, a little bit about the Atlantic Canada Cruise Association. So we operate here as Cruise Atlantic Canada, um, and it's a regional partnership between ports, tourism, and cruise interest, as well as the four provincial governments um, and the Atlantic Canada Opportunities Agency, also known as ACOA. Uh, we work to promote the sustainable growth of Atlantic Canada as a cruise destination through strategic leadership, collaboration, partnership, and innovative marketing. Um, and of course, you can find out more on our website, Cruise Atlantic. To Canada.com. 
Perfect. Sounds great. And James, I think you have a guest to introduce as well. Absolutely. Yeah, we're also joined by Joanne McLean, Director of Air Service and Airport Experience for the Halifax International Airport Authority. Joanne, great to have you. And uh, tell us a little bit about HIAA. We call it Halifax Airport. You'll probably notice something a little different. And uh, tell us about what you do. Great. Thanks so much for having me. Uh, so it's Halifax Stanfield International Airport. Um, that's the official name of the airport. Um, I look after air service development and airport experience as well as work with our retail and beverage partners. Uh, Halifax Stanfield um, back in 2019 served about 4.3 million passengers. That was back in the good old days. Um, a little bit... Uh, the little old bit, times. The old times, yeah. So a little bit uh, smaller amount of uh, passengers the last couple of years. Really tough. The aviation industry has been hit hard, as I'm sure with my colleague here, the, the cruise industry as well. Um, but we, uh, you know, we're looking forward to getting back to regular times. But uh, we're the largest airport in Atlanta, Canada, international. Uh, we operate 24-7. With um, this summer, we have 28 destinations that we serve. And in 2019, we actually had 20, um, 30, so we're not that far off. Thank you. We're very pleased to have you both on the Thank show. You. Terrific. Well, I'll kick things off, uh, Sarah, with a question for you. And it's a question you've probably heard before, and it's a hot topic amongst any interview and any conversation. Uh, so for the cruise industry, the pandemic hits. Um, you know, businesses have to look at different ways to change the way they do things and different approaches. For the cruise industry, it may be a bit more difficult because it relies on the tourism and the people taking the trips. So what was done? What, what were those conversations like when it all started to go down? For sure. So, I mean, I and I think, as Joanne said, that it, there's no doubt that tourism was one of the hardest hit industries throughout the pandemic. Um, and of course, when it first happened, you know, we focused all of our efforts really from the get go is how do we resume cruise and how do we do it in a safe manner? Um, so we formed some national committees, uh, one of them being the Association of Canadian Port Authorities. They assembled a cruise committee representing ports. Uh, Tourism Industry Association of Canada, they formed the National uh, TIA Cruise Committee, uh, and that represented the tourism operators within our region as well as across Canada. And essentially, this was really to take a coast-to-coast-to-coast approach, as we call it, um, to look at the restart, including developing port protocols and advocating for businesses that were hardest hit during the pandemic. Um, ACOA provided uh, ACCA, or Organization Cruise Atlantic Canada, the flexibility to develop a new strategic plan um, and as well as a communication strategy, brand refresh, participate in scenario planning, as well as offer to our members uh, exclusive port community readiness training and access to global restart uh, leaders, as well as uh, defining and implementing port, those port protocols I referred to earlier for welcoming back crews safely this year. We'll throw a similar question to Joanne there, obviously during the pandemic, passenger numbers hit historical lows, there was effects on cargo movements as well. So really the same thing, how did life change and uh, how are things recovering? Yeah, so back at the first of the pandemic in um, April of 2020, um, I I would tell you I've been with the airport for nine years and I never thought I would ever see something like this. I think we all feel that way, probably in every industry due to the, the COVID virus, but if you like bowling, then you probably could have started a bowling league <laughs> at the airport. <laughs> you can't now, but you could have yeah. then. Well, you might now, but I think I think it'd be a little bit more dangerous for people who are out there. But miles and miles of tarmac there. Yeah, there was a lot of uh, empty space. Uh, we actually closed uh, gates. We closed um, part of the terminal building. We turned off escalators, turned off elevators, and all in the spirit of trying to make sure that we save uh, costs due to the, the, you know, obviously the severe impact to our industry. 
Um, you know, our airport, uh, obviously, it relies on people and it relies on airlines. And without the two, it was pretty traumatic and, um, you know, really tough to see. Um, at one point, we were, we were only serving four destinations and we had about 10 flights a day. Um, and as I said earlier, this summer, we're now serving 28, this just for the summer. And normally we would serve 30. So mm-hmm. we're, we have recovered. We're recovering very quickly. Um, it's still going to take some time, even though we've gone from really, really low um, flights and passengers to now it is crazy. And I know you've heard all about the, you know, the aviation industry in the news, but, you know, there's a lot of people traveling. There's a, it's wonderful to see, um, but, you know, it's we're still not there. You know, we're going to take a couple more years before we're 100% recovered um, from, and we use 2019 as our benchmark. So it's going to take a little bit of time. Cargo did take a little bit of a hit, but because of the need for um, medical equipment and vaccinations, it would it really did stay, um, you know, it wasn't too, too bad during, during COVID. And I think a lot of passenger airlines actually move to moving cargo um, because it has become a very big big part of uh, part of the industry as well. So we've established both industries are recovering, which I think the R word is is what we want to see. Right. So I'll, I'll bring it back to you, Sarah. Sure. Um, so when people think cruise, and I, I would include myself in one of those people, uh, sometimes the mind tends to go to Caribbean or Mediterranean or, as we discussed a couple of days ago, Alaskan cruises are becoming quite popular. So what would you say are the major draws to our Atlantic Canadian ports that that can set us apart from others, even those in the warm places? And I'm not saying we're not a warm place because it's pretty warm out there today. But I'm pretty sure we could sell this as the Caribbean and the North. I think so, too. (laughs) Um, But first, just to provide a bit of context around itinerary planning, really, there's three types of cruise itineraries. The first is what they call perennial. The second is seasonal, and the third is repositioning. Um, So essentially, as you had referred to the Caribbean and those Mediterranean cruises, they're considered to be two of the most significant perennial markets, meaning that they operate year-round. But with that said, they do have low periods. So where the seasonal itineraries, such as Canada and New England, where we really thrive is the seasonality during their low points. So when it's not peak season in the Caribbean because of hurricane season, quite frankly, um, or in the Med, that's where the draw is to come here to Canada and New England. Um, you know, we talk a little bit about what makes, you know, our destination so special. We know that we have wonderful weather this time of year. Uh, but really, we, you know, besides trying to, you know, market Atlantic Canada and Canada New England as a destination that is great from April till November, we know that the cruise lines love our full foliage. And it's a huge seller. It's a huge draw. And people really want to come here to experience that firsthand. Um, but as well as, you know, they've heard about our world famous and world class hospitality. They know about our culinary scene. So there is so much to see, do and experience here in Atlantic Canada, which is all part of the sales package. Yeah, that actually can lead me right into my next question. Um, is uh, so, just like you mentioned there, what brings people here, like the, the foliage, our hospitality—that's a huge one. So, with the resurgence of cruises in Atlantic Canada, um, I'm not going to say post-pandemic, but just kind of as we're coming <laughs> out of it and um, recovering, are you seeing any trends comparatively pre-pandemic? Are uh, major cruise lines adding Atlantic Canada cruises to their routes because of, you know, not just our hospitality, but you know we were kind of world renowned for our response to the COVID-19 pandemic. So are you seeing any trends in that direction? 
Definitely. I, Atlanta, Canada remains to be a very popular destination for cruise lines um, because of all of those factors, but as well as our response to the pandemic. But um, I think it's important to note that, you know, we see the capacity growing in the region because we are able to deliver on all of these things. So we're building our own reputation. Um, and cruise lines come to know that they can do business easily here, and not just in Atlanta, Canada, but Canada, New England. So the easier we make it to do business with, the more likely we are to see more ships come to the region. So as an example, as Joanne said, using that pre-pandemic um, benchmark of 2019, we've seen about 150, or pardon me, 555 cruise ships visit Atlantic Canada. And this year we're expecting just north of 500. So it shows yeah. that we are well on track to get yeah. back to where we were. So while we're talking about the, the kind of wider knock-on effects uh, of both industries, Joanne, when we think of Halifax Airport, the first thing that comes to mind is packing the bags, going on vacation, hopefully somewhere warm. But the airport does so much more. I'm thinking here of the cargo operation, uh, fixed base operators, maintenance, fuel, sales, EHS services, uh, helicopter charter. So perhaps you can talk a little bit more about the wider activities of the airport and how these contribute to the culture and economy, not just of HRM, but the province as a whole. Yeah, and that's a that's a great question. You know, it's so funny people do think of that. And and when I start, first started working at the airport, I actually didn't realize what a big you know business it is and what a big community it is. And there's about uh, in a normal year there's about fifty five hundred employees. So it's a, it's the size of a small town. And to your point, the industries are not just passenger air service, they're private charters, they're cargo. Um, we have uh, um, cab drivers, we have uh, now Uber drivers, we have concessions, restaurants, retail. Um, you know, we have a fair amount of business in um, in the airport uh, as a whole. And in 2019, we actually contributed $3.8 billion to the, um, the wow. provincial wow. economy. So it's a big, it's certainly a big business, but it's not, you know, certainly just driven by us at the airport authority. It's driven by all of our partners, including the airlines, including the ground handlers, um, and the EA, to your point, the EHS services. And that being open 24-7 really helps with that as well. So we are able to be available for things like emergency, um, you know, medical requirements uh, from the airport to the, the broader community in our, in our province. And let's chat routes for a second as well. This, you know, part of what we do on the podcast is we try to give questions to the people that we know everybody wants to ask. And no doubt, I've been here, I've been, this is my 13th year in Canada, and we are able to get to so many more places now direct from when I originally moved here. But we have seen some routes pulled. I'm thinking here specifically the United Express, uh, Newark and Chicago services. I, I use the Chicago service quite a few times, extremely efficient. What is the reason for this when we lose a route? Is it a joint decision between the airport authority and the airline? Uh, and on the same note, what are the future plans to attract major direct routes to U.S. and international cities? So, yeah, the decisions are, are typically the airline decision. In this situation in particular, it's a little bit uh, different in terms of the, the reason for those services not being operated is essentially pilot shortages. So United Airlines is, is uh, no different than most other airlines in, in the U.S. and in Canada, but more specifically in the U.S. where they're 
they're having issues with pilots. And, and so what's happening is the regional pilots are getting opportunities with larger aircraft, whether it's a cargo operation or it's a larger aircraft with their own airline or another airline. Therefore, it's more experience for them. So the regional aircraft are the ones that are being grounded. So at one point, up to 150 of United Aircraft were grounded only because they didn't have the passengers. The reason for the suspension in Halifax is not based on demand. There is significant demand. As you talked about, you use those services. There's significant demand for those services. So we were disappointed that they didn't bring it back, but we also understood the reason why they couldn't. Um, but they are going to be bringing it back next year. So we're looking for, for definitely New York will be brought back next year. And we're talking about Chicago. Uh, this year, American Airlines actually brought back Philadelphia, a daily service. And that was handy. Oh, we yes. can connect everywhere from Philadelphia. Yes. Yeah. It's just yeah. one of the larger hubs, and, and it's the largest hub for Americans. So it can take you pretty much anywhere. Um, and the uh, Philadelphia or um, American also did a daily or weekly to Washington and a weekly to Boston um, as well. Um, Air Canada and uh, operates Boston as well. So we have, to your point, we don't have what we had prior to COVID, but we're getting there. And our so our conversations with the airlines is really about um, demand going forward. So we have the ability and the tools to look at what the historical demand has been, and I say historical and in pre-2019. And so we meet with the airlines and we, sh- and we talk about that. We also bring what's different about Halifax to the airlines. We keep them up to date with what's happening in our com- community. So if you think about this last two years, the population has grown immensely. And we have so many more um, you know, areas of uh, whether it's tech, new tech companies or we have families who have moved here who are now going to have families who will, who will come and visit them and vice versa. They'll go home to visit. So we have a lot of opportunities. So we share that with the airlines because they may not necessarily know that so they take all that into consideration and then they make their decision on you know when when they'll come back but we're very confident united will be back in our market next year We'd love to see that. And I've been very impressed with the increased connections. You can hear by my accent. I favor <laughs> connections to Europe. So I just came back from the UK a couple of days ago. We had our outward flight to London Gatwick cancelled. Within 24 hours, I was able to get options to Dublin, Glasgow, which we took the Glasgow flight and we connected ourselves down with the UK airline. Uh, but I was given options for Glasgow, Paris and Dublin. <laughs> all of those were equally good to me because they're all major airports from which I could connect to London. My family's in Wales and I could get to Wales easily from London. Um, so years ago, if we had a cancellation like that, it it probably would have been near disaster or at least a three or four day delay on the trip. But, uh, we think the European connections are great and and we just hope that they're going to stay. Yeah. And I, and we love them too. And, uh, we definitely want them to stay and, and want them to expand quite frankly. Um, so we're interested in making sure we use our, our airport and our our geography, um, and where we're located as an advantage, um, to be able to, you know, talk to the airlines about the easy flight across the pond and the easy flight, you know, you, you can have supper here and have breakfast and wherever it is you're going, uh, to your point. So. Well, the British expats, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Over to oh, Alex. Yeah. Sarah, I just want to flip to something that is was in recent news. Everyone saw it. I saw it. And uh, it was a pretty big deal on social media. Uh, Oasis of the Seas, the fourth largest cruise ship in the world, made its way to Atlantic Canada. Uh, 360 meters long and nearly a quarter of a million tons. A ship of that magnitude coming to Atlantic Canada brings 5,000 some odd guests. What sort of preparation, on a high level, what sort of preparations are done to prepare for a ship of that size and with that much potential tourism on it to come to Atlantic Canada? And what's done to get them to come back? 
For sure. So that was a very big call in our books. And it was also not just the largest ship to call Halifax today, but the largest ship to call the region. It also visited St. John, New Brunswick. Um, So obviously significant planning uh, was required to accommodate that size of vessel. Um, And we collaborated with Royal Caribbean to look at specialized infrastructure. So as an example here in Halifax, they had to look at a very ship specific gangway to get those passengers safely to shore. Um, Obviously, we also were in close communication with our local tourism operators. So here in Halifax, we have Ambassador Grey Line. In New Brunswick, we have Aquila Aquila Tours. And so working with those tour operators, because there's nothing worse than getting 5,000 people here, but we have to make sure that we have tours to put them on and buses and Mm -hmm. people to show them around the city. So there's a lot of coordination that takes a significant amount of time. Yeah, absolutely. No, it was it was pretty cool. I think, you know, I was I was walking around the day it was here and I, from pretty much anywhere you could see it. And it was just they are huge, aren't they? They're, oh, yeah. It was massive. Absolutely. It, it's like a town just coming up yeah, to, exactly. along a pier side. It, it's pretty spectacular to see. And, and, and of course, the ships offer all of the amenities that you would yeah. find landside anyways. But, um, you know, it's really great to have, again, a ship kind of of that magnitude, yep. that capacity to say, yes, we welcome the biggest in the world here in Halifax. And I think that gives a lot of hope, I think, to locals when they see a ship of that magnitude coming in and all the tourists and when no one's really sure where we're at in the in the pandemic and in in tourism in general and you see something like that come in it, it, it makes you happy it gives you hope and you th- it makes you think all right we're, we're getting there we're getting back and everybody wants to fly coming back to you joanne we are seeing some knock-on effects with labor shortages uh, i was just counting in my head i've i've been through five countries since november in terms of airports i'm biased of course halifax has been the smoothest experience perhaps it might be because i haven't connected through halifax it's always been you know the origin and and my final um point but how is halifax shaping up with maybe comparison to other larger airports in canada provincial capital airports say and um, what are the plans to try to to limit the effects of the labor shortage on the passengers and on the airlines yeah we haven't seen at all the you know the level of um, disruption I, I'll, I'll say in terms of staffing but we do certainly have you know staffing shortages whether it's with our um, security screening or our airlines um, our concessions partners uh, there's no question that we have seen a shortage um, ground handlers as well but we have not had the impact for a couple of reasons one is because we don't have the same volume of people going through our airport and that's where using our size to our advantage is actually a good thing. Um, so it, it tends to be we are known for a more pleasant connecting, even from a connecting perspective, a connecting ex, um, experience and, if, and when you leave and arrive in Halifax. So in terms of what are we going to do going forward, we're really, we work closely because once again, we're in a fairly small size airport, we can work closely with our partners. And we do work closely with them to try to understand how short they are from a staff perspective. They can give us advance notice if there are issues. Um, and then we can just, honestly, it's all come, it comes down to communication. And it comes down to making sure that the passengers understand reasons, if there are delays, the reason for the delays. And working closely with our airline partners as well. Um, and, and even working with our concessions partners. So, you know, we have uh, a number of restaurants and, and retail outlets 
surprisingly enough, we actually had a, a concession operator who's adding more restaurants, which in you know in the middle or hopefully to the end of a pandemic, it's uh, don't hear that very often. a little bit. No, you don't. <laughs> so we're quite lucky, and and so the Firkin Group is is investing in our airport, and they see they see the long term strategy, they see the long term opportunity. Um, but in in working with all those partners, um, we had a job fair uh, a couple back in June, and we had about 150 people attend, and there, and we really wanted people to see what it was like just coming out to the airport because that is one of our barriers is where we're located you know we're, we're 30 minutes outside the city and a lot of cities that might sound like really close but in Halifax 30 minutes seems like a long time so we do and, and it's you know busing and it's you know people having to park out there so there's you know there are some barriers that people I think see but having people come out and and have this job fair I think it showed a lot of people the opportunity that's in Halifax and at, at, the, at Halifax Stanfield and there's anything from whether you want to work the concessions or a um, baggage handler, working for the airlines, working for the cargo operators. There's so many opportunities out there. And one business in the same, that day hired six people on the spot. Oh, wow. So Great. there's definitely wow. interest in, and definitely people looking for work. Um, and we we certainly, were ho- we hope that we'll continue to see that um, as, as time comes. So we just work closely with everybody and try to understand what their, their challenges are and, and support them as best we can. Um, we're actually, the next few weeks where the um, HIA employees, we've called out to ask people to volunteer uh, to go out and into the terminal building and just just be available. We have uh, our volunteer program, the Tartan team. We also have a dog therapy program. Mm-hmm. But to help those folks and help our airline partners, we are going to start walking around the floor ourselves and, and really try to help our passengers. We do that normally, but we're going to increase that presence a little bit. Just if people have questions and it's just a way to help passengers feel a little bit more comfortable if they're unsure about what's happening or if they're delayed, they're unsure of what, you know, what the reason is. We can not necessarily help them with that, but help them feel more comfortable and just get them anything that they need and point them in the right direction. I've always found, and that's great information, by the way, I've always found the airport a very positive experience. The magic word is nexus. Yes. That saves so much <laughs> yes. time everywhere. The the decision to implement um, pre-clearance a couple of years ago was great. I know it doesn't affect at our end, but there is something great about arriving in the US and just walking off the plane. Um, and the other point I was going to make, we got off a flight from Gatwick just five days ago. I think it, was, it wasn't a Halifax-based crew, wherever they were from, and they came on as we were taxiing and they said, we will be honest and tell you, Halifax is the best airport in Canada to connect through. Fantastic. So they said anybody who's got a connecting flight, it's going to be a much easier experience than other airports. When we got to the gate... And they split us, those of us entering Canada and those people connecting, about two-thirds of the plane uh, was connecting. So obviously a large population on that flight wasn't staying in Halifax and hopefully had a great experience. But there's a crew from wherever they were in Canada that said this is the best airport in the country to connect through. So Well, that's great to that's hear. Good. We and they didn't that. work for you guys. They, <laughs> they could have said anything. Uh, we say that, but, you know, yeah. we're biased. So I think uh, an, o- an overarching theme at the beginning of the pandemic was pivot, adapt, all that stuff. We said that was words a million times. Now we're looking at future and going forward and, and what's next. So, so Sarah, this one's for you. Sure thing. In the overall response to the pandemic, uh, I, I read a press release that the Association of Canadian Port Authorities, the ACPA, uh, the Cruise Committee launched a historic initiative that would bring together port authorities, regional associations, and other cruise ports from across Canada. Uh, so w- what was the purpose of this initiative and, and what does it entail f- going forward? 
For sure. So really, it was to create, you know, one unique source and be one voice for crews in Canada by having all of those different uh, ports and tourism interests, everybody coming together. And again, as I mentioned early on, just jointly working together and being collaborative and bringing back crews and bringing it back safely. So one of the foundations and things that that particular committee worked on was really creating those port protocols, working very closely with government. So Transport Canada, Public Health Agency, um, engaging with all of those different crews and tourism stakeholders. Um, and, you know, together they were able to, you know, get Transport Canada on board, get Public Health Agency on board with welcoming crews back to it, not just Atlantic Canada, but across Canada, which was wonderful this year. Um, and, you know, it's really that that level of national collaboration um, that allows us to push forward things. So, you know, we're kind of taking a step back now with that national committee to decide what things, what projects will we take on next. Um, but it was the first time that all of the ports across Canada came together in an effort um, to bring back a business or, you know, a, a line of business, shall we say. So, yeah. Um, yeah, incredible work by that committee. It was led by Andy Dixon or Andrew Dixon from Port St. John um, and you know just really well done we had a lot of working groups that came out of that that focused and honed in on Port and Shorex as well as communications government relations so um, just a really tremendous group of people yeah absolutely and uh, absolutely and uh, I like the word collaboration and, and I talked about this before we came on I was talking to my girlfriend about it who took a cruise in the last I think it was two or three years but it's funny, like the air industry relies on the cruise industry and then vice versa, because in order for her to get on her cruise, she had to take a flight and that exactly. experience had to be great. And it benefits the airport industry because the more cruises that are going, the more people need to get on these flights. So that's just, it's an interesting thing is, you know, how we're doing kind of two interviews here, but there is that overarching connection that the two industries Definitely, Definitely. Why that I need to collaborate. There, there is no doubt that when you look at all modes of transportation, because what we're not talking about today is ground transportation, um, that we all have to work together. Yeah. Uh, and it is a collaborative effort. You know, when we look at the marketing and the brand of selling, I say Atlantic Canada, but we can speak more specifically about Halifax. You know, it's really having all of those pieces together. And in cruise, we do talk a lot about ground transportation because that's how people generally get to see and do everything here in Atlantic Canada is there's lots of wonderful things. We're looking at a beautiful waterfront here, uh, but we can't lose sight of being able to go into rural communities. Um, and that's done by way of ground transportation. And I think there's an element of that, that, you know, we can discuss in air travel as well. People still need to get to the airport. They need to get to, you know, the hotel, wherever they're staying once they get here. Um, so, you know, we need all of those pieces working together. And I think that's one thing we worked really hard with government to understand that we can't treat these pieces in isolation. We have to work together. Yeah, absolutely. Sarah, that leads us perfectly, perfectly into my next question for Joanne. You <laughs> couldn't have found a better way to introduce it. Let's look into the future for, for Halifax Stanfield. We like to think we do a bit of research here on the podcast. Um, I dug into Master Plan 2041, but I'm going to pretend I've never read it before. Tell us what it is and, and how it's going to change, what the airport might look like in, in two decades' time. From what I read, it was extremely optimistic and exciting. Yeah, it is. And and I do want to echo, though, uh, the commonality. You read my mind when you were um, talking about the commonality of the two industries. It's, it's, you know, we are very much connected. And a lot of the planning that we do is very similar. It's, you know, it's all about, at the end of the day, we're all selling 
um, Atlantic Canada, essentially, um, as a destination. And we're all managing the, you know, the process in between people leaving where they're, com- they're leaving and coming to, uh, to Halifax or in, in, in a region. So I, it's very well connected and it's very interesting, actually, to sit here today with, uh, with you, Sarah, and listen to all the things that you're working on. It's very similar to us. Um, so master plan is essentially um, a plan that we put together and it's a 20-year outlook into what can, exactly to your point, what does the airline or the airport look like? I laugh a little bit only because, you know, nobody would have expected in any industry for this last two years. So it makes our planning that much more difficult. Um, well, the worst know. case scenario has happened, hasn't it? Yeah. So you're like, <laughs> how could it get any worse? Right. So I ban- <laughs> we banned that word from our forecasting. Worst case scenario. Well, you're right. <laughs> the W word. We will not say it on this podcast. <laughs> oh. <laughs> um, but because we really started with, oh, you know, 20 percent, 30 percent, which seemed, you know, a catastrophe. And then <laughs> we went down as far as 90 percent. So we, then we were just sort of throwing things out. But looking forward, it's, it is tough to predict. There's no question. But we do have a model where we still do look at historical prior to 2020. Um, you know, and then we look at what the changes are. So we, we do meet with our airlines very regularly, our partners and our ground handlers and our, uh, f- you know, the folks on the, um, in the gateway facility um, and the cargo. We, we talk to them a lot. And the reason for that is, one, two things. One is we want to make sure that they can consider Halifax and keep Halifax in mind. But the second is to make sure that we understand what their plans are so we can tie the two together. Because our job is to make sure that we have the facility for them to operate in. So things that we look um, when we look ahead, and we we have to be um, very responsible from a financial perspective that we're investing in the right places, which are going to make a difference, whether it's the passenger journey or efficiency for the airlines as they come and they operate in Halifax. So there's a few things that we look at. We look at runway. That's obviously important from a safety perspective. We make sure that our runways are, are constantly being, you know, uh, checked and kept upgraded. We're looking for ways you know, because we do believe that we're going to grow and our strategy is to grow. Ways to look at our, our taxiways operating a little bit more efficiently, efficiently. And we talk to the airlines about that to make sure we get their input, given they're the ones that are the biggest user. And then we look at the terminal building to say, can we handle, you know, traffic in the next 20 years to your point? So we may need to add more gates. You know, we may need to offer um, different services. Maybe there's a busing service that we offer. And then we look internally to the concessions, even though that's not, that's a, um, an operator investment, we work very closely to make sure that they have the concepts that we're looking for, because we set the strategy in terms of what do we want to offer our passengers and our travelers, and we often go out and ask for their feedback to say, what would you like to see from a service perspective? We want to make sure that we build a really good experience for people who are either coming to or traveling through or leaving from Halifax Stanfield. And you talked a little, and I'll, I'll tell you a little, one project that's a good example of what you would put in a master plan is when you talked about connecting. So we have a facility called an international to domestic connecting facility. And what it does is when you land, those folks that were on the flight with you and they were connecting through, they were they cleared customs and went right through to the hold room. Whereas in previous years, they would have had to go down through customs, go back around and go back through security and go up into oh, so the So collect hold the room. bags and go through the system, right. Okay. Yes. And actually holds it up for the guys who live here. 
here and just Absolutely. want to go through and get home. Exactly. So the, those two thirds of that flight went through customs at the top of the stairs. And there might be the random, they'll do some random checks. But for the most part, those people would have run right into the hold room, which is the secure area of the airport and wait for the next flight. Gives them more time to shop, more time to dine and, and really make that that experience a lot more pleasurable and less stressful. Um, and then their bag typically will go all the way through to wherever the, their end destination is. And we're looking to expand that facility. So that's a, an example of what would be put into the master plan. We also do public conf, um, consultation in our master, master planning to make sure that, you know, the public knows what we're, you know, investing in, what we're using, um, you know, the money that we have from a capital perspective, and that we're re- investing responsibly to make sure that it's, you know, it's making sense for everybody. And then there's, we have that new cargo logistics park, and that's, you know, another area that we, we will continue to invest in is cargo, because we see that growing just as just as much as passenger traffic does. So goods can come in, people can come in, people can leave. I think both industries are recovering. Wow, yeah. we have learned a lot today, ladies. Thank you yeah. so much. You're very welcome. The, the goal of the, the podcast, it, it's to give people access through us to things that they're aware of and things that they access, but they don't know too much of the nitty gritty. So we're trying to get to ladies like yourself and folks like yourselves, um, who the regular person on the street yeah. maybe doesn't get access to. So we've learned a lot today. Oh, absolutely. And you know, a lot of people have their own opinions on everything and they see it on social media. So it's nice to have. Since when has the internet had an opinion? Ah, <laughs> <laughs> That's new. No, it, it, it's just, it's great to have you both on here to hear your perspectives. Um, again, I speak for both of us. We really appreciate you, you both coming yeah. on. Well, we appreciate the, the opportunity and, and from a Halifax standpoint perspective, if you're on social media, you can follow us at, at Halifax Stanfield Terrific. or on our website, halifaxstanfield.ca. Yep. And Very same nice. here for Cruise Atlantic Canada. I already plugged our website early Keep plugging. on. You can plug all your life. Uh, but yes, you can certainly follow us on social media and it's at Cruise Atlantic Canada. Um, and of course, we, uh, we're looking forward to an exciting season ahead here in Halifax and in Atlantic Canada. So if you see a cruise guest, be sure to to welcome them, not necessarily with open arms because, you know, you still have to keep your you social distance. Yeah. No hugging. No hugging. Yeah. Uh, but uh, definitely be sure to, uh, to keep up that world-class hospitality that yeah. we offer here and thank you absolutely thanks so much thanks again well thank you there to our guests that was extremely informative um our guests have left the studio and alec uh, wanted to admit that you you were distracted a little bit there what was up towards the very end there i couldn't help but notice a submarine going uh, across the harbor there and uh you see it park you don't always see it on the move i just i felt like a little kid i just couldn't take my eyes off i thought it was pretty cool I had a couple couple pilot boats that looked like uh ushering it out of the harbor but uh that's pretty cool, submarine. I've never seen a submarine before. You've never seen one? Well, they're underwater, aren't they? <laughs> <laughs> Come on. <laughs> you ever feel that piece of metal on your foot as you're swimming? Okay, so normally now we would go into step by step. Ooh, Ooh baby. baby. But we, we are still doing new kids on the block this month. Sure but um, take it away, Maestro Mark. we got something a little different coming up. tight underwear to sing that. (laughs) We're taking a throwback to last month and a slightly somber tone. What's up, Alec? What's on your your mind? For those who listened last month and for those who haven't, but we'll be catching up soon, we did our new Kids on the Block on the new drive-in movie theater at Scotia Speed World, which is now done. So the new Kids on the Block 
is no more. It lasted about a month. Old kids on the block. Old kids on the block. That's a good one. Um, yeah, so they're all done. Um, I, I saw a tweet the other day by Halifax Retails. A lot of people might know him. And then we confirmed the story for ourselves. So James has a bit of a sequence timeline of, of events here and what went down. And we're not knocking the business at all. It's just we just wanted to bring it up because we did talk about them as a new business. And unfortunately, they're not going to be open at Scotia Speed World anymore. No. But James, yes. what do you what do you got there for your little and, timeline? And Alec, the perfect preface is this is this is factual information that we've taken from their Facebook. Any content, uh, any comments, sorry, that we share are not ours. But we expected this. I, I called it a drive-through movie theater a bunch of times. It's not a drive-through movie theater. That wouldn't work. Drive-in movie theater. Mm. Supposed to be with us all summer. It vanished after three weeks. So I have tried my best on the internets to piece the timeline together of maybe what might have gone wrong. And, and this is what I've got. So it opened up on Canada Day with Top Gun Maverick. I'm not sure if you've ever heard of it. Tom seen Cruise. Seen it a couple times. Already seen it a couple times. Okay. I, I've never heard of that guy. Yeah, and talk to me, Goose. <laughs> Starting on July 5th, the Facebook page showed comments where people that were trying to buy tickets, they either were getting errors and they couldn't complete the purchase, mm. or they paid for tickets and didn't ever receive them. And a Yikes. day later, on 6th of July, they closed, they claimed due to weather, offered rain checks or Oof. refunds to customers. At this point, they took a, a week-long closure to re-strategize after customers complained of poor lines of sight to the screen, which is kind of important when you're going to watch a movie, um, parking and technical issues. Okay, 13th of July now. They posted on Facebook apologizing for the slow processing of refunds from their opening week, advising yeah, advising that PayPal is holding the funds for 21 days, uh. and they'd also change their ticketing platform so it wouldn't happen again. Okay. What rug people, rubbed people the wrong way was saying that any quest for the questions about the refund should go to PayPal. Lots of negative comments to that one because people felt they'd made their purchase directly with the company and, and they shouldn't be asked to go and deal with PayPal. Yeah. The next day, July 14th, when Thor Love and Thunder was supposed to be playing, things appeared to be running smoothly, they went dark. Oh, They off. announced the same day that they were closing and their equipment was being acquired by the Cape Breton Driving Theatre in Sydney to serve as a second screen. And it was no more to the point that the two websites, the website directly for the movie theatre and for the holding company, vanished Ooh. off the internet. Major that oof. is what we know. Those are the facts. We um, fact. have established that something went wrong. Mm -hmm. That's definitely evident. So, Truth. Sydney, you can enjoy yeah, the experience. Yeah. We've sent it up to you from here. I think it's a shame because this was the only one in the area. You know, they were boasting mm. some some interesting stats, the biggest screen east of Montreal. I have no opinion other than it's just a shame it didn't work out. I'm not, I you know, pick the average person off the street and tell them to organize that. They wouldn't be able to do it. So I'm not going to knock the organizers, even mm. though that seems like the easiest thing to do. Yeah. I will just say, for a city that is trying to diversify and, you know, maybe sometimes struggles to get new things to come here. It is a shame that this didn't work. And I'll, I'll leave it there. Yeah. There, w there is one way it would have or could have worked. I've got it. You get Tom Cruise to come and he just perform the entire movie on a stage. False. False. They played the wrong movie. At the land at the airport next door, right? Yeah. But they played the wrong movie. There is a movie they could have played. It's the lyrics here. Wait for it. It's better. It's a threat. A level. A level. Threat. He's the greatest hockey star I ever seen yet. Threat level what? Midnight. Threat level who? 
Devil's gone. Threat level wise, apartheid. Gotta fight it. Free Mandela. Peace, I'm out. Free Mandela, peace, I'm out. Wow. That is the line. Free Mandela, <laughs> peace, I'm out. I'm out. Michael Scott, never what known for his creativity. What an episode. That's how you do the star. What an episode. So anyone who's an Office fan, and we won't go down too large of an Office tangent, I only discovered about a month ago, because we've all seen the Threat Level Midnight episode where they cut in bits of it, but they did actually produce an entire 30-minute end-to-end a theatrical version of Threat Level Midnight, like, which like, you can watch on YouTube, the like actual they episode. Oh, they, like they actually did or someone put it together? No, they did, yeah. Oh. So the episode, it runs for like 22 minutes and it cuts in pieces of the movie with pieces of them watching it and all that stuff. Yeah. But no, the production crew actually created an episode and it's on YouTube. Oh, so very cool. head right there and watch it. That's and one, just don't listen to the rest of this podcast. That's one of my favorite episodes. So... Okay, they could have saved it if they played Threat Level Midnight. I absolutely agree. Uh, I hope Sydney enjoys I hope it the works equipment. Out. Yeah, I, that's all we can say. I hope say. it works out. Like, you know, maybe they weren't, you know, maybe they opened too soon. I don't know. And like I said, they're not here to give their two cents. It could be a completely different story. And it's just the way things go. Sometimes it just happens. So I wish, th- I, I hope it works out in Sydney. Uh, maybe it'll make its way back if they can figure out the kinks and stuff. And people get their refunds too. Yeah, are they getting them? They're getting them apparently, and I okay. hope that they, they said it'd be 21 days. I hope people get them. I hope they make good yeah. the promises they made, and if so, then... That'll bring their reputation a little bit. Like the, the, yeah, they learning experience kept their for word. everyone. Not everything goes the way you want it to, right? Oh, definitely not. No. Man, definitely not, my man. Well, that was New Kids on the Block. We'll actually have a new kid on the block for you next month, unless one of our previous <laughs> previous suggestions fails. We'll see. I thought that... You, I didn't. I, I took that a very different way. You said you're going to have a new kid on the block next month. thought you were going to tell me you're having a kid. New kid on the block in nine months. Not happening, my friend. Um, But it does lead us to our last segment. It is the traditional Dylan Curry favorite Reddit Roundup. Reddit Roundup. Haligonians losing their minds over minor inconveniences. I said it last month. We're getting so much mileage out of that clip. We sing it around the office. It's it's really worked out well. Oh, I do like singing singing it in the shower. For the cost of coffee and a donut at Tim Hortons, so for just 50 bucks, that can be yours too. That's how much it costs? 50 bucks? 50 bucks I paid for that. 50 bucks, yeah, right? 50 bucks. I could have recorded that for you. You could have. Hmm. And there, there is a backstory we, we cannot mention on here, as I've said. Uh, so where are we this month, Alec? We R- are, round up that Reddit. We are rounding up Reddit with an interesting feed, or thread? Thread. Um, Halifax Hot Thread. I'm reaching three. That's three. How you, that's how you say East? it. I thought you meant it. East. Um, <laughs> no, uh, I made that joke twice. Um, Halifax hot takes. So it's on the R Halifax, of course, Reddit Halifax. Uh, this one was cool because I think there was over 850 comments, which gives us a lot of material to choose from. And a lot of them are relatable. Um, so I think James and I each kind of picked our favorite ones uh, of the Halifax hot takes. Um, there's too many to choose from. Some we kept out. We don't want to mention particular people or... Or, yeah, it's or tough. stuff like that. So we we kept it pretty ambiguous. Which I got left us with two. <laughs> I got cut. I, yeah, I, I think I left with three. Um, but one of them's kind of a bit of a good shout out, and then the other two. One had me laughing pretty hard last night. Well, let's dig in. And as Alex said, we didn't want to disparage any local businesses or public figures. We are not yeah. a podcast that does that. And, and as we've mentioned on this before, you know, if someone's not here to defend themselves, we're not going to feature them. So we kind of, we stripped that away and we were left with a couple. Um, Alec, we're going to, we've got some each. Why don't you go first? And then we'll give our, we'll give the Reddit's official comment and then we'll maybe give some of our cynical views yeah definitely so <laughs> this is something me laugh and you may have chosen so one thing one trend i noticed a lot on this on this thread was there was a lot of hate and 
you know, putting down of boomers, of the boomer generation. There's a lot of boomer comments. <laughs> you mean the people who call us snowflakes, but they brought us up. Exactly. Yeah. So one <laughs> person said the name was Internationalist BOA, BOA. Uh, boomers, should, <laughs> boomers shouldn't be allowed to drive vehicles and they shouldn't be allowed to shop on the weekends. <laughs> <laughs> Well, the city, <laughs> the city were going to do a trial on it, but four days in, they canceled yeah, it. <laughs> that one made me laugh. Like, it just so out of left field. They shouldn't be allowed to drive. So if you hit a certain age, you are a boomer. You are no longer allowed to drive. And hold on. No, no, no. Weekends, you must stay inside. You cannot shop. Don't make me see you in the grocery store. Don't get your food. We want you to starve. I just, I thought it had four down votes, no replies. Like, but I had to give a big chuckle to that. I'm not, I'm not, I don't agree with it. Like, I'm not, I don't agree with any of these comments. It's just, I thought it was funny. I just want to know internationalist, bow, uh, internationalist Boa's trauma. I know. trauma. I want to know his or her age as well. You I know, think. yeah, we got to have a, a psychologist dig into this. There's some, that, that is the manifestation of some seriously bad past. Oh, 100%. Um, I, I thought that was pretty funny. I, I wish uh, I wish there were some replies to it because I think if someone got a little angry, he would have went back at them. But it didn't get enough, uh, you know, it didn't get alive. And I could have I could have got it alive a little bit. Um, well, the boomers get a hard rap from being the boomers, young, don't they? It's, boomers. It, it's tough because we can't relate. They can't relate to us. They have complaints about our generation, but we inherited their world and they brought us up. And the same yeah. will happen with the generation of children underneath us. We'll have our opinions on them and on their children, but we brought them up. So it's Jeez. just that evergreen cycle of not liking both the, um, the generation above you and the generation below you. But hey, we all live on the same planet. Let's all get along. Yeah, so... That was my first one. I think James was waving a piece of paper while I was doing it. I think I might have stole one of his. No, the one I had wanted to mention was someone said, Alec Cranston is not the best looking guy in the city. What? Hot take? Yeah. Yeah, that was <sighs> a top voted comment. Take. It was, um, everyone agreed. So no, the other one I had <laughs> was, and this is an interesting one, and you and I, me moving here a decade or so ago, and welcome. you growing here, thank you very much, yeah, good to be welcome. here, yep. uh, we'll, we'll have different opinions. Con- this is from Case Study 89. So, you know, somebody of a certain age there. Constant development is making Halifax lose its charm. I have an opinion, and I'd like to hear yours as well. Constant development is making Halifax lose its charm. I disagree. I actually disagree. I think it's bringing a new sort of charm to Halifax because we're. if you look around and people, you know, they're saying these about these developments going up and these these high rises and all this and we're, it's taken away from the his, history of Halifax. I don't think so. I think you take a walk on the boardwalk and you will see tons of history and there are a lot of developers in, in Halifax that are, that are working hard to maintain that history where um, we're still keeping strong components of buildings that have been here since the Halifax explosion that have made it through the Halifax explosion. I think bringing these new developments to Halifax is good for the city. Uh, it keeps us up with the rest of the world, but we're still looked at as this cool, you know, picturesque maritime province, maritime city. Sorry. Um, even with the developments, like, I mean, the Queens mark, I mean, look at that. That's brand new. Yeah, beautiful. I took a walk down there yesterday with family and it's, packed with people they love it and it is a beautiful layout i'm not sure what exactly they're doing with the stairs going up but there's a lot going on there's going to be a big sculpture at the top there which they're building right now a big piece of art which very cool um 
with me i have some contact with the developers there know a bit about it i'm not sure what can be said and what can't i won't say anything yeah, on okay. here but it is going to be magnificent and profound Very and nice. will be br- will be bringing people to the harbor just to see it so that i think they're going to be um, the theodore tugboat statue the- theodore is back yeah, yeah i think that that's going to open up later this year but yeah. you know, what's my, your opinion well my opinion is i'm when i moved here halifax was not a city of glass it was a city of brick yeah. and when my wife and i moved over one of the attractions aside from her family being here um was to me, coming from the UK, it was a very British-looking city. It actually looked very much like any of the small towns, so the small, large towns or small cities on, on the water in the UK. When we had certain developments that I won't name that were large going in, uh, that were basically glass, I started becoming very, very disenchanted with the way the city was changing to the point that I would openly say I don't like the way Halifax is looking. Mm-hmm. Five or six years later, when that trend has continued, I think we'd have been a pretty damn beautiful, good city right now. So I've just got used to it, and I think it's the way that we need to go. And there was a comment made on um, on Reddit by Maritimer1nvan oh. to Case Study 89, which said, where will people live then? People complain about the old buildings being torn down, but nobody wants to live in an old house that costs a ton of money to heat. And that's what's happened in the UK. The house I grew up in now will be well over 100 years old. The place we stayed in Airbnb last week in in Norwich, uh, Norfolk in the UK was 200 years old. That thing would just be a money pit to heat. So what do you want? You want a nice place that's efficient? Or do you not want it, you you know? You want the old stuff that's inefficient and, and looks good? Uh, you want it knocked down, but you want to pay less for your heat. I think the more we continue to develop, the more people will get used to it. And Halifax still has a theme. It's still a maritime city. And if you look Absolutely. at things like Queen's Mark, the way that they uh, have matched the tint of the building to match materials they used to use to build ships 100 years ago, yeah. people are working hard. They're working hard to keep to keep that history. Like we're not, I get we're going in that development direction, you know, that, like you said, the city of glass, but we're still doing a tremendous job of keeping that history and keeping what makes Halifax who we are and our, our identity. And um, I think we need, I think we have a perfect blend of both. And I'm just, I get more excited as we go along. I mean, you and I with our, in our industry where we work, it's, uh, it's exciting for us. And you yep. know, sometimes we hear about things way ahead of anybody else. And, you know, we can't say a whole lot, but it gets us excited. And, you know, we can start to picture, like, I think the Canard building is going up down, down by Bicycle Thief there. They've started construction. That's, that's going to be beautiful. Mm-hmm. That's going to be incredible. It's going to be just an incredible view of uh, of Halifax. I mean, maybe from Dartmouth, you get a nice view. But looking at our skyline, like if you go on Google Images and look at our skyline 10 years ago. Have you years, seen the comparisons people have done? On yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I was at a, we, I think we were together. Mike Savage did a presentation where he showed the two comparisons up. Uh, I think it was from 20, 2008 or 2004. Four, something like that. I don't know why I'm confused with those two dates to 2020 and it was just and that, you that was what, really like qu- what one year old 2004 no seven eight <laughs> eight years old I, I knew what I was doing I think uh, and but I get it and the Queen's Mark wasn't even in that picture fully right so it's uh I like the way Halifax is going I'm a fan I'm on the side of development but also keeping that history yeah, and I think it's a, it's a balance, like anything. Yep. Give us another hot take there, Mr. Cranston. Another hot take. Um, this one's a positive hot take, and we don't have to talk too much about it, but it's a bit of a plug for one of my favorite uh, spots in the city. Uh, the chicken dinner at Euro Pizza is the best takeout dish in Halifax. That is a red-hot take. It's a W take. It's a common take. Euro Pizza, I grew up I grew up in Herring Cove, and then when I moved to the city, I lived in Armdale, and Euro Pizza is actually where Armdale Pizza used to be. But Euro Pizza was in this little kind of shack down the road. And me and my buddies and our families, whenever we ordered food, it was always the chicken dinners. Uh, their pizza was good, too. Their donairs, um, some of the 
best donors in all of Halifax. They don't get enough credit. Um, but I, I agree with this hot take, the, the chicken dinners at Euro Pizza. Um, great, uh, great owners, great staff, great people, great food. That sounds like a shameless plug, and it sounds like I have a connection to them, but I actually don't. I just really like their chicken dinners and their donairs. Okay, Dylan and Mark, the other two gents in the room with us, uh, you've had this? No, no, no two no's. Al, me neither. Okay, oh. so you you're need to arrive in the studio next month with some samples. I think. I think so too. I, th- I'll, I'll, you know what, we're gonna do that. We're gonna have chicken dinners at the next episode. Uh, although the next episode is gonna be a bit unique, but uh, yeah, I'll have some chicken dinners. I think you guys need to have some. They're delicious. Or donairs. Uh, I wouldn't need a donair on a day like today because I would just be so uncomfortable trying to do an air in this in this heat but mm, just have some creamy coffee with it too mm, outside nice hot oh outside hot steaming it's the coffee. people eating bread rolls and whole chickens with creamy coffee at swiss chalet oh you, i don't you know. need to hear that but uh yeah chicken dinners and don't airs from euro pizza give it a go i'm ashamed to hear that no one's tried it or had it but i'm happy to advocate and say go give it a go it's on the saint margaret's bay road go go just go. up from the chocolate lake hotel just a plug, a and he's on affiliate commission for that. Um, <laughs> the next hot I take actually comes work for, from, no, from um, Spite Substantial 6603, and we'll have an opinion on this one. The waterfront view in Dartmouth is much nicer than Halifax. You want me to go first here? I completely agree. I think yep. looking um, on over Halifax from Dartmouth is nice, but actually being in Dartmouth is nice. I very much enjoy if I have a meeting in Dartmouth and I park downtown, getting a cup of coffee and taking a walk along that waterfront down there. Mm -hmm. It's very, very underrated. I know there's been a lot of work going down there recently as well. Alderney Landing area, tons of history down there. Um, Agreeable architecture, lovely little boardwalk. It's not as long Mm -hmm. as here in Halifax, but you get that spectacular view. What's your opinion? I am 100% on your side with that one. I think it's a tremendous view. I remember I was over at, uh, I was seeing an uh, orthopedic surgeon, I think it was about a month ago, and they were in the, the Queen Square, I believe it's called. Oh, the uh, building across the street from Monday Landing. Yeah, yeah, and they're on the top floor. And the view from one of the secretary's offices was incredible of Halifax. I had to say something. I was like, I was like, you must love coming to work every day and seeing this view. She goes, honestly, it's the best part of the job, right? So, and it was a tremendous view. And you can't get that here, uh, you know, Looking out at the water, you kind of see, you know, some industrial work going over there. You see an SEC. You do see King's Wharf, which is a nice look. Jenna and I actually had talked at one point about, you know, King's Wharf would definitely be a spa- uh, area we would consider living in. Um, you know, quick shot over on the ferry, and you're right in downtown. They've Halifax. got their own ferry as well, I think, now. They're on water taxi. Really? So residents. Oh, really? No over. way. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's pretty cool. I like that. That, that's a selling point for sure. Just sold it. So because yeah, uh, I hold a real estate license, I'll just take the commission from the developers there. We'll be good. Oh, sounds good, man. We have a deal. We have a deal. Um, shake on it. I uh, don't know. No, I might send you the documents a couple months late. Um, but no, I, I think it's, I totally agree. It's a great view. I think from this side, I mean, it's partly because I'm not, Dartmouth is up and coming. It's great, but there is a lot, presently a lot more, a lot more. What are you, Dylan's laughing in the corner at me? No, D- Dartmouth has stuff going on. We it's, will have no no negative talk about Dartmouth on I'm this not podcast. Talking, I'm not talking negative on Dartmouth. I'm saying it's up and coming. Development's great. Downtown Dartmouth is awesome. Alderney Landing's beautiful. Yeah. We just have a bit more happening over here right now. So that's why the view is is better. I, I don't like the view this way. And I'm not knocking Dartmouth because I got, like I said, uh, Jenna's from that, that area. It's a beautiful NSCC campus. It is nice, eh? <laughs> it's a nice look. <laughs> Wow, look at that red ship over there. <laughs> Unbelievable. That is one heck of a good tree. Wow, is that a hospital? Mm. <laughs> I love to sit out on the patio in Halifax over here and have a nice cold beverage and just stare at the 
smokestacks coming over. I mean, it's like all the people with patios in Bayer's Lake. Patio. I say my dream of a romantic dinner is, is food overlooking Chain Lake Drive. Mm. Oh, unbelievable. So the final hot take, the final hot take is pretty good. Mm. It's so simple. And it's something in our line of sight right now. It is simply the words, they want you to climb the wave. They just can't say it. And there's comments here that agree. Uh, user Sevas21 says, Sevas. ah, yes, the renovation when they installed the do not climb sign, but also some foam padding. And then somebody else said, and they took out the prickly roses at the bottom, basically a welcome mat no, and I support it. Kids actually play on it. Unlike the submarine, the submarine looks very cool, but actually has limited play value. Kids like a little danger. I oh. tend to agree. Yeah. Have, have you ever personally climbed the wave? I have not climbed the wave because when I came to Canada, I was in my 20s and climbing the wave would have looked a little strange. Mm, we'd run up there with all the kids. We'd look a little creepy. Just it would like have. I've, I've never done it, but I'll tell you what. If, if I find myself downtown, ask my wife. I have done some very dangerous things before, late in oh, the evening I, uh, when slightly sourced. Um, uh, w one which, which almost involved myself drowning and getting slammed against rocks. Whoa. I probably would would run up the wave. Yeah, I've never... Because it's not really that dangerous. I don't think I've ever done it. Um, just not for me. Maybe it's part of the humiliation. Hang on, you, you painted it though, right? I did paint it uh, last Canada Day. It was incredible. Yeah. So, But the kids are already wearing it down, so I'm a little annoyed by that. Um, I, I don't have an issue look, with there it. There is not, probably nine kids on it right now. Uh, I'm going to be honest. It's one of those things. It's like people that skydive and then they complain when the thing does the parachute doesn't open. You know the risk. The wave, if a, I don't have a child but or children, if, um, if a parent looks at the wave, the risk is inherently obvious of climbing it. If they let their children climb it, I'm kind of happy with that. It's not as if it's like there's a secret trap door that's going to open. There is a great big nine, ten foot drop off the one end and a very steep slide down the other side. If you let your kids go on, you're aware of the risk and you've made mm -hmm. that decision. So I think it's good. Yep, absolutely. But um, officially, do not climb the wave. Is that the stone sign? Is that what it says right there? It or does. Is it, like a it says two things. It says don't climb the wave and don't go on the black rocks at Peggy's Cove. Mm, and both are still done. Or don't swim at Queen's Mark. There's actually a sign for that now. Yes, they have put a sign up. People are still dipping their toes in. I, I saw you in there the other day. That was me in the mermaid costume. Mm. I should bring that on the set here. Oh, the just set wait. Okay, that was... Reddit Roundup. Oh, matter of facts, episode four, but Reddit Roundup. That's that was a good one. I like that one. I think you know, with uh, you know, they can't we can't show the actual comments, but this was a good one that people can understand and hear our, our opinions on. It was funny. There's some good ones. I like I liked yours. One. Did you like mine? You oh like yeah, no, that was good. You made some good selections. I showed there. you yours. I showed you mine. You I showed, showed you, me yours. We're all we're all even. We're all even. Pretty Dylan close. dropped his water bottle. Dylan dropped his water. His yeah. So, but that was a great, that was great. I like that Reddit roundup. That was good. You got something coming up, don't you? Gonna make a plug here. Yeah, a little shameless plug. No problem. Give me your money. money but money, don't money, give money, me money. your money. Give your money to Easter Seals. Well, yep. Nova Scotia Easter Seals is the yep. official name. So on the 13th of August, a couple of guys, myself included, we're going to be rappelling down 1801 Hollis Street in support of Easter Seals, Nova Scotia. And we have fundraising targets and we are selfishly asking you to dig deep and be generous deep and contribute the to them. Get Just deep in shove your pocket. hands deep, right shove in Shove your there. hand deep Get in that pocket. Right in there. Exactly. Pull that cash out. Pull that cash August out. August 13th? Is it? August 13th. August Alec 13th. is going to be there. He is our nominated welfare and, and uh, personal support officer. Yeah, I was offered a spot on the team, but as I may have said before in the podcast, I got a bad knee. You know, I just I get tired. And, you know, I couldn't do it. So I'm down below. I'll be down below supporting. 
We may have a little surprise in store. I'm not going to get in too much detail about it. Oh, it's a big kiss when I get down. Oh, it's more than that. And uh, so we'll be, we're going to do something relating to the podcast. I'm not going to, we're not going to get into too much about that. Nope, I want there will be a podcast. Fe- yeah, exactly. The podcast will be playing a part on that day. Yeah, podcast will play a part. We won't get into too much detail because we want it to be it's a Alec surprise. alone in the next one going, unfortunately, some unfortunately, bad news. Unfortunately, <laughs> the harness He did snapped. it. No strings attached. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, yeah, we're going to do a little something, something there. We won't tell you guys what it is because we want it to be a surprise for our 18 subscribers. And it should <laughs> <laughs> for, for yeah for the one guy who for listens. my uncle Jeff and your your brother, brother. in Norway and my my mom I yeah no, so well we'll be putting a link uh, in the show notes for you to donate it's just a simple page you can plug a credit card in to add a little bit of additional excitement to it or maybe not um, I I'm going to be putting the names of everybody who donates into a draw uh, choosing one at random and taking them and however many people they want to cram into a plane on a, a one hour flight over Halifax wow. which we'll, we'll arrange on their schedule um, and I'll, I can either the plane's based in Debert I can either pick them up from Debert or I can Debert. fly into Halifax and pick them up in Halifax we'll figure wow. it out anyone who donates even if it's a dollar or it's a thousand dollars you will get your name placed in uh, and uh, an equal chance of winning which I'll, I'll, I'll announce that maybe we'll do that on the podcast actually yeah, next time. That's, that's actually a good idea and I got a question that some people People may want to know, is the gift, not the gift, the prize transferable? If someone wins that and they don't want to go in the plane, can they say, oh, but my brother wants it? Or Yes. Okay. They can do two things. If they don't want to go, they can nominate other people to go, mm-hmm. or I will provide them with coffee and a donut, just one from Tim Hortons. Terrific. The, the cash transferable, the transferable cash value of the prize is $2.85. Okay, right yeah, on. That's only. perfect. That's enough for a double-double, and that's it. Yeah. So dig deep, yeah, and deep pockets, um, if Alec is alone on the next podcast, then <laughs> it'll be a better podcast. We, we know it didn't, it didn't work out, but yeah, we got something fun planned. I'm excited for that day. It should be nice. August 13th. Um, August 13th. That day is also just some of the reasons. Oh, my grandmother's birthday. Happy birthday, future birthday, grandma. It's uh, not a Friday either. So happy birthday, grandma. Yeah. Friday the 13th. Yeah, it's Sunday. Uh, happy birthday, grandma. Uh, my parents' anniversary is two days before that. So, and I've just had my 10th wedding anniversary. Wow. And August. The, and the, no, uh, oh, yeah, that gave away the fact that we might record this a little bit before it's published. Oh, yes. That's true. Oh, well. Let's see what happens on episode five. That was fun. Thank you for joining us to our guests. One last final thing. Uh, Congratulations to Mitch and Chelsea McClellan on your wedding. I wish you many years of happiness. (laughs) Congratulations. Uh, It was a terrific weekend. And of course, as you may know, we do do record these podcasts ahead of time. So I hope it's a great weekend. I'm looking forward to it, but uh, you're going to hear it after you're done. So again, congratulations on your marriage. Another happy couple in the world. That's what we want. Wow. Good for them. Anyways, uh, thanks again for tuning in. Episode four, Matter of Facts. We... uh, we enjoy every episode we do. We look forward to it. It's it's a lot of fun. And uh, when we first started doing it, it felt like there was more time in between episodes. But now it feels like it feels like next week we'll start planning for the next one right again. Um, yeah. So we're very excited. Episode five. Surprise guest. We don't know. A couple other little segments. I guess you'll have to tune in and find out. Yeah. Keep it real, folks. Enjoy the rest of the month. 